Amen. Good morning. It's good to be here. Um, the subject this morning is uh, about worship, and I uh, just wanted to um, really just to start a focus for us at the moment in the church, because we really believe that God wants to teach us and to lead us in, a, um, in our worship, in the way in which we are um, growing in him or growing in that aspect of church life. So I want to talk about worship. I want to talk about worship in the context of what we've just done in that last 45 minutes. Um, and uh, I know that worship is more than that. Worship is service. It's, it's living for God. But I particularly want to talk about worship in the context of this meeting. So, um, and uh, the, the question I guess I could, ha- I could bring this morning is, what have we been doing? What is it that we do when we worship? And, um, and I want to hopefully by the end of this morning answer that quite clearly and encourage us that when we come to worship that we know what we're doing and we can uh, really see God uh, be glorified and his glory come. And as part of doing that, I want us to look into the Bible, look into um, God's perspective about worship, look at what he's expecting from us, what he's desiring from us. And um, so we're, gonna, we're probably going to go through quite a lot of verses this morning. Um, Dave's got them, so they'll go on the screen. But if you've got your Bibles, it's good to look at these so you can refer to them um, again later on. Um, so what I want to basically talk about, just so you know where I'm headed, I want to talk about uh, the fact that we as Christians, so if you count yourself a Christian this morning, um, that you are a priest We are a kingdom of priests. And that's been God's heart from right at the very beginning. And what we see is that actually as priests, we can enter into a spiritual place where we go into what is known in the scriptures, the holy of holies. The most intimate place that God created on earth where God met with men and women. But men at that time. But for us, it's men and women. So... In Exodus chapter 19, 3 to 5, we can uh, read about Moses. So this is where the children of Israel, led by Moses, God has called them out of Egypt, and he's called them out because he wants to meet with them as a people. He wants them to be his worshippers. And this is what it says. It says, While Moses went up to God, the Lord called to him out of the mountain saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the people of Israel, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. So he's saying to the children of Israel, you shall be to me a kingdom of priests. Okay, this is to Israel. Is this mic on? One, two. Just checking. Just sounds like I'm shouting. Am I shouting? Okay, do you want to turn me up and then I'll, I'll calm down? 
So you will be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. When God spoke to Moses and to say to Pharaoh when they were in captivity, he said, let my people go so that they may worship me. They are my priests. They must come out to worship me. And this is what he said to the children of Israel. And this is why he sent them free. And this is God's heart that he has a people who are priests. Now, if you know your, your history um, of the um, Israelites, you might be saying to yourself, ah, but there is one tribe, the Levites, who were the priests. And no one else could be a priest except for the Levites. Some of you are probably thinking that. Yeah? No? But in Exodus 20, verse 19, this is what the children of Israel said to Moses. I'll go to verse 18. Now, when all the people saw the thunder and flashes of lightning on the, this is on the mountain, the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled. And they stood far off and said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen. But do not let God speak to us, lest we die. In other words, I don't want to be a priest. You go do that for me. You go and speak to God. You tell us what he says. Where God is saying, I want you to come to me and I want to speak to you. But the children of Israel didn't want to. But it, right at the very beginning, it was God's heart that every member, every part of, that, of the children of Israel, every person might be his priests. But it was their decision. They said, no, you be our mediator, Moses. And so, in my personal opinion, take this or leave it, that's why the Levites became the priests. And God consecrated the priests. So again, we move on. So here we have this priesthood, but God's heart is that they would all be priests. And then God spoke to Moses and he said to him, I want you to build a tabernacle, a, a tent, that I will come and I will dwell with my people. So he said, build this tent. It's like 20 metres by 40 metres or so. Just a t it had a, a court on the outside, it had a fence, if you like, and inside it had a tent, quite small, and inside that tent there was a section where there was a curtain, and behind that curtain was the most holy place, or the holy of holies. So you had an outer court, and then you had the holy place, only the priests could go in the holy place, and inside there was a curtain, and the high priest only but once a year could enter into there, and that's where God would if you like, sit, that's where he would be in the Holy of Holies. I was thinking of setting the chairs out in three places. You'd have the court, the holy place, and then the Holy of Holies. But oh, I forgot. <laughs> but only the priests can enter into the holy place. Only the priests, okay? I want this is a really important uh, point I want to make, that God has called us to be priests, to be worshippers, and that only the priest can enter into the most holy place. Okay? I know this is kind of like teaching, but um, you can say amen to some of these things as it is the Bible. Amen. Good. Now, <clears throat> Hebrews, and, and this is the important thing as well. The, the priests, when you went into the court, there would be an altar. And at that altar in the court, 
This is out in the open. Would be a big fire, and they would kill animals. They'd put them on this altar and make sacrifices to God. And only the priests could make the sacrifice, so that the uh, the, the individual would come and say, "Here's my lamb." And the priest would take it, cut it up, put it on the altar, and do various things with it. You can look at that if you want. Different types of sacrifices, but in the court there was a place for sacrifices. And then. But the Bible tells us none of these sacrifices could make anyone, anyone clean. So they had to keep doing them. Um, year on year, they used to have to do the annual one, and every time they used to keep making these sacrifices. There would have been a lot of animals killed. There would have been a lot of grain burnt. There was all different things that you would be able to take and, um, and pour over the altar. Now, in Hebrews 9.24, which we'll read in a minute, it says, it says that these... Um, these things, let's put it up now, Dave. Christ has entered not into holy places made with hands, which are, a, which are copies of the true things. So when God spoke to Moses, he gave him directions how to build this tabernacle. And what he was explaining was a shadow of something real in the spirit realm in heaven, if you like. So God has his own spiritual tabernacle, temple, whatever you want, and he took some of those elements and he spoke that to Moses and said, I want you to build something that's like a shadow being cast on the wall that will be a type of what's happening in the spirit realm, in heaven, in where God is, is fully himself, if you like, although he's fully himself everywhere. And what happened with Jesus, as we were hearing about what Jesus did, is that where in, this is Hebrews 10, 11, every priest would go in and stand daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But Christ went into the heavenly tabernacle as the sacrifice and offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, and he sat down at the right hand of God. There was no more sacrifices Moses, so you're following me, yeah? Just give me a wave if it's good, well done. On the earth, there is this tent. You can touch it, you can feel it, you can go into it. But in heaven, there is the real thing. It's a spiritual place that Christ went into. He gave his life as a sacrifice, finished the whole thing about sacrifices because he paid for it all. And he, being like a high priest, went in to this heavenly temple. So there's a natural one, yeah, but there is a heavenly one. <clears throat> now when the gospel writers, um, they tell us that when Jesus died, there was an earthquake, the, the, uh, the sky went black, and it says the veil in the temple was torn in two. The curtain, if you like, was drawn aside, which makes, if you think about this in a place, you're following me, Inside this holy place, there is the inner place, which is the Holy of Holies, and there's a curtain. And when you open up that curtain, the holy place becomes one. Yeah? So all the priests that went in the holy place could now go all the way into the Holy of Holies. Yeah? This gets really good, by the way. Because what I want us to picture is what we're doing on the Sunday mornings, we're turning up to the tabernacle. And our goal is to get into the Holy of Holies. That's what we're doing when we come and worship together. Okay, sorry, I know I'm getting up, but I'm getting excited now, Dave. 
You don't mind though, do you? No. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 10, 19 to 22. Therefore, brothers, that means brothers and sisters, by the way, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, Jesus has made the way. If you're a Christmas boy, if you've given your heart to the Lord, He's taken away your sin. You can enter into holy places where the presence of... uh, um, I'll go into that later. I'm getting ahead of myself. This is good. Um, To enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened up for us through the curtain. That is through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. In other words, he's saying, as we used to say many years ago in the church, enter in. Enter in. Don't stand in the courts. Don't stand outside the gate. Let's just picture for now, just as by way of example, let's look at, let's look at the four, four lovely people on the back bench. There are many people that come to worship and they stand outside the gate. Yes. This is this important bit. This is what we need to picture, that we can come to church and stand outside the gate when God has opened up the way that we may enter the holy of holies. Now in the spirit room, you can sit at the back there and enter in the holy of holies. Amen? Yeah. Amen. See, the presence of God is all around us. God is omnipresent. He's wherever you are, God will be. Amen, we believe that. So what are we talking about when we say enter in to the Holy of Holies? Where are we journeying on a Sunday morning? Where are we going when we're worshipping? Incidentally, and I'm, as I said, I'm talking about Sunday morning, but you can do this at home on your own. So same things apply. See, when... In the tabernacle, when God would come and Moses would go in, a cloud would descend. And the children of Israelites would stand outside their tents, looking from afar, because they chose not to be in the presence, and they would worship from their tents. The cloud, this cloud, the glory of God would come. See, when we, this is where I'm jumping ahead, but I'm coming back. When we enter in, the glory of God comes. Now, we could come here and we can sing our songs from the gate. We could sing some great songs like we're singing from the gate. But God has opened up the way by his body on the cross that we may enter in. And what a tragedy that us as a church or any church would stand at the gate. Do you see why this is... I can see a lot of nods. What a wonderful privilege that we can come together. Sure, I can do it at home, but it's so much easier when I can do it with you. Because I might not be all with it, but the person next to me or behind me might be or across the room, and they're going for it, and I'm like, yes, that's setting me on fire. And I'm coming in, I'm being drawn into the Holy of Holies. Oh, and the glory. Do you see what I mean? I know this is, and I know maybe some of you are thinking about it. This isn't about me, this worship time. We're getting there. We're getting to this. It's about him. But he just wants to come. That's what he did in the Garden of Eden. He created the whole universe that he may be present with Adam. When he walked, maybe he came along. Oh, Ben, here, come. 
He walked with his son. This is my son. He walked with his son and he walked with him. He probably put his arm around him. I want to be present. Thank you, darling. (laughs) Isn't that what God has died for? That he may walk with us, put his arm around us, hold us our hands and say, I didn't just come so I would be over there and you here. I want you to come into my presence. Yes, amen. My point that I want to make here is that, yes, there is, God is always with us, but there is a presence that is not, that I have every day. John Piper says this, uh, our experience of it means that we taste, this is the presence of the Lord, our experience of it means that we taste or feel or realise the reality of God more directly, more authentically, more intimately, more effectively, that is producing more effects in our lives. When the glory comes, it changes you. You're convicted, you're liberated. More certainly, more satisfyingly, more terrifyingly, and so on. In other words, his presence as we experience him is the heightening of his reality in our lives, either for good, if we are in his grace, or for ill, or if we are under his wrath. That he's talking about conviction of sin, which is why Jesus makes all the difference here to shield us and make, us a, make God a welcoming reality of presence for us. The heightening See, we need to enter into and know this greater presence because that's why Jesus died, that we may come to him. Psalm 100, which we'll look into in a minute, it says, come into his presence with singing. It's the invitation, James 4.8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. It's the invitation. See, we've got so many wonderful accounts. I was just reflecting um, on some of the times, if I was to prove to you that there is more than what we're experiencing on a Sunday morning day today, week to week. And I was thinking of some of these great revivals. I know this is the go-to place, but Duncan Campbell said this, a revival is a community saturated with God. I love that, saturated with God. What God could do in this place and in our community if we were the worshippers and really believed that when we came on a Sunday, we're coming to enter in. I'm not, con- I'm, I'm not satisfied with just to sing great songs. I want to go in. There's something in the, I'm talking in the spirit, you know, in the spirit. Uh, when I went to uh, Felder Brennan in, in Wales, it's not too far drive to a place called Blananark. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it, it's Welsh. And this, if some of you might know this chapel, there was a young man went into this chapel, his name was Evan Roberts, and was listening to this evangelist speaking and he, and he just cried out in this meeting, in this little chapel, smaller than this room. And uh, God just set him on fire for, for, uh, for his purposes. And he was instrumental in what was called the Welsh, Welsh Revival. And I remember sitting there, and I wasn't one of these like, Lord, will you give me the anointing of Ed Roberts? I was just, Lord, if you could do it here. Do it. And do you know what was in, do you know where the uh, Welsh Revival started? Or who was instrumental in it? It wasn't Evan Roberts. It was a youth group traveling around, doing dramas in churches. Isn't that incredible? It's a shame our young people here, because I was going to make a big thing about that, but they've all left the room. But this is what's said of the Welsh revival. 
when men in the streets are afraid to open their mouths and utter godless words, lest the judgment of God should fall, when sinners overawed by the presence of God tremble in the street and cry for mercy, when without special meetings and sensational advertising, the Holy Ghost sweeps across cities and towns in supernatural power and holds men in the grip of terrifying conviction, when every shop becomes a pulpit, every heart an altar, every home a sanctuary, and people walk softly before God, this is revival. See, we're not, I'm not just talking about theory here. I'm, I'm, talking, I'm talking about these things have happened. Where God has come in such power that it's had those kind of effects. Campbell Moore, Dr. Campbell Morgan said this as well about the revival. After witnessing the scenes of revival in Wales returned to Westminster Chapel in London and declared, here is revival that comes from heaven. There is no preaching, no order, no hymn books, no choirs, no organs, no drum and bass, no guitar, he didn't say that, no collections, and finally no advertising. Now think of that for a moment. There were organs, but they were silent. There were ministers, but there was no preaching. They were among the people praising God, yet the Welsh revival is a revival of preaching, for everybody was preaching of uh, no order, and yet it moves from day to day, county to county, with matchless precision, with the order of an attacking force. No songbooks, but ah, me, I nearly wept over the singing. When the Welsh sing, they abandon themselves to the singing. No choir, did I say. It was all choir. Talk about singing. I tell you, there is something about singing. I'm not going to talk about it today. I'm going to talk about it next time. The expression of worship. The Bible is, it is so biblical to sing. We see that, and we see that. Well, let's look at Psalm 100 um, in a minute. But this is my point. There is a power and presence of God when he comes. There is a glory of God that we are called into. If we don't believe there is anything more than where we're at right now, I believe we fail God. He said, I've opened up the way through the curtain to come into the Holy of Holies. And we're sitting outside the gate. Or maybe we're in the courts. But he says, come in to the holy place. Psalm 100, make a joyful noise to the Lord. I think that's really encouraging. If you can't sing, it doesn't say be good singers. It says make a joyful noise. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God, and it is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his, his pasture. Listen. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. How do we enter in? You enter in through the gates. This is the first thing. And I think this is a pattern. It's a pattern. I don't think it's a law. I think it's a pattern. If Worship starts with praise. That's why we start with singing. It starts by lifting up the name of God. It's, it's, it's praises where we say, look how good, great and marvellous God is. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart, is the song. It's based on this. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving. When you came this morning, were you prepared with your thanksgiving offering? So when you came through the courts, you, you came through the gate, you came into the courts. I will enter his courts with praise. That's where the sacrifices were made. Again, we can look at this uh, another time um, before I get drawn into that. But worship 
in this context starts with noise. Noise. Not that type of noise. Noise of praise. Noise of joy. Of shouts. Of celebration. Of encouraging one another. And it goes into this. Know that the Lord, he is God. Psalm 95, you can look at that if you want. Psalm 96, they're very the same. But the question is, we can stand at the gates of the tabernacle and we don't enter in. Hebrews 13, verse 15. Through him, Jesus, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. This is how we enter in. See, praise breaks the power of the enemy. We heard Jim share about that. The, the enemy can't stand it when we give glory to God. Nikki prayed this morning in the prayer meeting, made a quote that if you feel you're being pulled up, that's God. If you feel you're being pulled down, that's the enemy. How do you break it? You resist it, you praise God. So I said, you know, in the beginning, you know, <clears throat> there's so many places you could go talk about praise and uh, or just declaring God's greatness when it comes to tragedy and difficulty and things like that. But at the beginning I said, you know, that, that, that God's intention was that people, his people would be a kingdom of priests. And the Israelites, they didn't want it. It, it came to the Levites. In the 1 Peter 2 verse 9 says this to us, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. You are priests. I'm a priest. You're a priest. I've been called a priest before. You might not have been, but I am a priest. I'm not your priest. I'm the priest of, of, of God to minister unto God, and so are you. Psalm 95, verse 6. Again, you read Psalm 95. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. We've come through the gate. We're singing our praises into the courts. We're bringing our sacrifices. And now we're entering into the holy place. Who can go into the holy place? Priests. Are you a priest? Yes. So you can go in. So we go into the holy place, and this is where Psalm 95 says, I come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker in the holy place. It's not about us. The sacrifices have been made for my, my sin, for where I'm at. Now, what do they do? They serve the Lord. They love the Lord. They worship the Lord. They're not there for themselves anymore. They're there for God. And what you might find with our meetings is it moves from a place where we're praising to a place where we're humbling ourselves in worship and we're there for God. Amen. And there's these two places of intimacy. There's the place where we have this in the holy place and then we have the holy of holies. But the point here is as priests, we're not there for ourselves, we're there to worship God. And I tell you something, your experience, or maybe the experience others will tell you, that when the presence of God comes, it ceases to be about you. 
and you get caught up about him. How much, when the high priest went into that holy of holies, how much did he talk? Did he have a chat? Lord, I just want to say thank you for this. I, I, I might be wrong, but I don't think there was any word spoken in that place. He had a rope tied around his foot that if he stepped out of line, he would die. They would pull him out, drag him out by his feet, dead. We've been invited in. It's not a place, it's not this, um, I want you to understand this, praise you, this worship becomes not about me, it becomes about him. I'm not saying that we should be quiet, because we have these wonderful places of prayer where we can commune and talk with the Lord. But this is what Psalm 96 verse 9 says, Worship the Lord in the splendour of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. When we were singing earlier, we, and Jana was singing, I don't know if you were singing with her, holy, holy, holy. It just brought my mind into Revelation. And it says that the angels surround his throne, they sing holy, holy, holy. And if, if they're our guide of worship before the throne, are they not? And all they do is they sing, holy, holy, holy. Listen, there's a place in worship, I wonder if you've been there, where it's not about you anymore, all your problems, all your troubles, all your, all your difficulties and, and, and finances and your children and everything cease to be in your mind and it all becomes about him and you're caught up in him and you just want to be there. See, it's good to sing praises to God. It's good to have music and to hear testimonies of prayer as we hear people pray. It's good to pray. Um, but you know that we can do all of these things in the natural? What I mean by that is we can come and we can sing in the natural, we can play in the natural, we can talk about God in the natural, and we're standing at the gate. And the difference is between the natural and the spiritual is where our hearts are. See, it's not enough just to sing about him. It's not enough just to shout about his greatness. What's enough is when we, in our hearts, we know I'm, I'm coming in, Lord. There's a wonderful song. I'm sure it's based on, maybe based on the psalm, I don't know, but it's, I think it's Matt Redman. Matt Red, we sang a Matt Redman. But better is one day in his courts than a thousand elsewhere, based on Psalm 84. He also sung one, Can I Ascend the Hill of the Lord? It says, I'm coming up the mountain, Lord. That's the same, it's a different picture, but it's the same thing. Where Moses went up the mountain, then he built a tabernacle, he didn't go up the mountain, he went into the Holy of Holies, but the mountain is the Holy of Holies. I'm coming up the mountain, Lord. It's you and you alone. I wonder, is that your attitude when you turn up on a Sunday morning? When you come into this place and you're singing and you're coming with your hearts ready and primed, Lord, I'm coming up the mountain. You and you alone, I'm seeking where are we going? See, the point I want to make there is that we can, we can, and I'm sure many do, get caught in the natural, singing the songs, doing the deeds, and yet we're standing at the gate. So you have to use your hearts. We have to engage our hearts. Lord, I'm believing you. I'm, I'm not just here for this. I want more of you. I'm coming in. Daniel at some point will talk about the preparation of the worshipper which would be good to listen to 
See, it's the Spirit, isn't it? We need to move in the Spirit. John 4, verse 23 and 24, the hour is coming, Jesus said, and he's now here when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. In other words, we can do all the things without faith. We can sing without faith. We can do, follow the, what everyone else is doing without faith. But actually, do you know what? When you start to believe God for something, you can't do that outside of the Spirit. I don't believe. And when you hear the praises of people, you can hear their faith being activated. You know, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. When God comes, it sets people free. As I said a few weeks ago, do you know what? Um, and I'm not talking about a worship leader up here, but we need worship leaders there who are willing just to break open their alabaster jar and willing to bring their sacrifice. It's a sacrifice if it costs, isn't it? Maybe for you it's to come down the front just to worship or as as we were blessed by Joe, just coming and waiting for... She's not doing it to say, look at me. She's saying it to say, I love God. Right, Joe? wherever she is, amen. It's an expression, but we could talk about that another time. See, all these blessings of God, all when God moves, when God touches our hearts, when we're thrilled by God, are all byproducts of this heartfelt goal, which is to lift him up and to enter in, to minister to him. I've mentioned this a few times, I'll say it again. Someone came in and gave a prophecy about this place being people being drawn to God because of the worship here. And, I, and, and it wasn't that we would had really good worship, man. It wasn't about that. It's because the presence of God was powerfully amongst us when we worshipped. And I'm holding out for that. Say, so, Lord, I want that. I don't want our worship to be about how good we are, but about how spiritual we are, if, if, you, if you understand the context I mean. But... Maybe I can finish with some practicalities. We need to believe that we're going somewhere on a Sunday morning. When you turn up and you find your seat, you sit down or whatever you do, you say, right, I'm starting my journey into the Holy of Holies. And we need to each, and we all need each other to get there. We need to come ready to worship. When the meeting starts, are you ready or are you catching up with your friends? If you're late, do you come in and sort of try and catch up and say, oh, you know, good to see you when the meeting started? Because sometimes we're late. That's the way it is. Sometimes we're late because we're finishing off the TV programme before we want to get out. But when you get in here, are you thinking brown chairs painted walls, are you thinking, holy of holies. See, we need to be people of faith that really, Lord, I'm believing you, that I'm going to lift you up, I'm going to glorify you, I'm going to, I just want to minister to you, this is my time where it's all about you, and then when God moves, you're just available, and I tell you what, he will completely change us. See, 
Are you the type of person or do you need to be the type of person that if you're in your seat and you're struggling to sort of, I can't get free of what's in my mind, that you're willing to say, do you know what, I'm just going to go down the front and get on my knees or I'm going to lay on my face until I meet with God. Because there's a liberty here for that. Are you going to go up to maybe one of the elders or someone you know who, who, who you trust and say, will you pray for me because I've got so much on my mind, I really need to enter in and I, I don't want to think about myself. Will you pray for me? Are you the kind of person who will come and just say, do you know what, I've never put my hands in the air, but I'll put my hands in the air. What, what, are, you, what are you going to do? What's the practical response to this? Guys. Bones. Listen to me, I've got some really good stuff to tell you. See, we need to go with people as well. The band starts a song and you don't like it, you sit down and close your, cross your hands and say, I'll wait for this one to go. I don't like this song. Let's go with people. Let's just say, you know, let's, let's move together. I want us to move together in worship. But maybe I can just finish with this. We need to worship God for him and not for us. So do you believe? Do you believe that you're going somewhere? when we worship? Do you, are you prepared? Are you engaged? And what are you willing to do? I'd love if we could sing. I don't know what was planned, but I'd love to sing Better Is One Day In Your House Than A Thousand Elsewhere because I think it's a good response song. And, and if you know what, if you've got that taste, I've been in the presence of the Lord and I know what it means to be in that place. I'd rather be there than being wherever. So maybe we can use it as a response and then uh, we'll continue. Let's pray, shall we? Father, I just want to say thank you first of all, Lord, from the bottom of my heart, and I know, Lord, that we will say amen, that we can talk about these things because you gave your life for me, that I may enter into a place with you that I do not deserve. Lord, there's not one bit of me that deserves it, but you have invited me into greater places, Lord. There's going to be many people being invited to a royal wedding. Well, this tops it by billions, Lord. If you could put all the whole universe and all the great wonders of this world and everything that this life offers and put it on one side of the scale and put knowing you on the other, you will always trumpet. What a wonderful blessing. And yet, Lord, you say, come up and meet with me. Draw near to me. And Lord, I just want to thank you for that. What a wonderful blessing. But something in me, Lord, just wants to worship you and wants to say, Lord, I'm willing to love you and worship you even if I get nothing out of it because you are worthy. Lord, will you help us to be worshippers? Lord, priests to the living God that will enter in to the Holy of Holies. May this song that we sing be truth in our hearts and minds. Better is one day. Lord, in your courts, not even in the Holy of Holies, but in your courts is, a better, else, is, a, is better than a thousand in the tents of wickedness. Lord, so Father, will you come? We need your help, Lord, to be your worshippers. We need your Holy Spirit to pour out amongst us to give us liberty, to inspire our hearts, to give us a vision Lord, of where we're going to be able to move from the natural to the spiritual. 
And Lord, will you start now, Lord? Will you start? As, I know you've already started, but maybe for some hearts need that work again in their, in their hearts to inspire them to know, Lord, what you and who you are afresh. So, Lord, I want to ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.